Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio. Brought to you by OnPay, Atlanta's new standard in payroll. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Atlanta Business Radio, and this is going to be a good one. But before we get started, it's important to recognize our sponsor, OnPay. Without them, we couldn't be sharing these important stories. Today on Atlanta Business Radio, we have Rush Imhotep with Northwestern Mutual. Welcome, Rush. How you doing, Lee? Thanks for having me. I am doing well. Um, For those who aren't familiar, can you tell us a little bit about Northwestern Mutual and your work? Yeah, for sure. I mean, so Northwestern is probably one of the oldest insurance companies in the country. And in about the mid 19, I want to say around like 1950s, they got into wealth management. So, you know, we we are a one-stop shop when it comes to financial services. You know, we do investments, we do insurance, we do financial planning for our clients. You know, we help them think through retirement planning, estate planning, taxes, really in any consideration as it relates to you making, preserving, growing, et cetera, your money. Um, those are all areas where we, we're able to, you know, help our clients uh, be fortuitous. Now, uh, what's your backstory? How'd you get uh, involved in this line of work? Yeah, so I, um, originally, Lee, I'm actually from Brooklyn. I grew up in Brooklyn, played football growing up, and I uh, was able to secure an opportunity to play football at Cornell University. And it was while I was at Cornell, a big donor on our football team, his name is Matt Russo, uh, we got connected. And he's actually the managing partner of Northwestern's New York office. And, you know, I interned for Matt one summer. I had a great experience. They actually offered me a job. I said, no, Matt, I'm going to go play in the NFL. Um, I went and tried to play in the NFL, but realized that, you know, not many teams were drafting four seven safeties from the Ivy League, and that's four seven forty. My speed, not my height, and like six two. Um, had to throw that in there just for no confusion. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I you know I had to figure out what I wanted to do next, and you know, and, and to that point in my life, I was only really good at two things. I was you know good at football because I've been doing that for so long, and um, I was good at finances. Right, I was good at connecting with people. I was good at making information more digestible, understanding businesses and things like that. And, you know, it just made sense for this next phase of my life or, you know, what what I wanted to transition to post my um, short-lived professional career. Well, how has uh, being an athlete at the level you were at, which is pretty high, how has that impacted your kind of work life? Um, I mean, it's impacted my life in general, Lee. I mean, it's one, it builds up this massive resiliency that I don't think a lot of people get the opportunity to do because a lot of people don't um, put themselves in a position where they can experience um, large amounts of failure, right? And then being a athlete, um, you know, not only do you fail on game day at times, but you can, you know, fail in other portions of your life or your career. So I think that, you know, that that's probably one of the biggest things is just helping me build up that resiliency. And then secondly, some of the intangible traits that it developed around, you know, work ethic, discipline, and, and, and these are probably, you know, um, well understood by this point, but, you know, team sports and, and just learning how to operate in that environment 
you know, there are there are traits that directly transition to a professional environment that, you know, I've been able to leverage there. And then also, like I mentioned in my personal life. Now, what is it like um, when you transition from being an athlete at that level into the workforce where, like you said earlier, like you felt, hey, my superpower is football and now. I'm not playing football and I, it's almost like you need a new identity and a new way to kind of see yourself. That's such a great way to put it, Lee. You do, you do have to create a new identity because for so long, your identity is playing ball um, for better or worse. And then that was me. And it was challenging when I initially stopped playing football to go through that. Right. It was really challenging. And there's people that I, I know, I have peers that I know, that are still dealing with that struggle today. And I, I think that's probably a, an underserved portion of the mental health community is like dealing with identity crisis. But um, the way that I was able to overcome it was to pour the same energy that I had for football into the into other outlets of my life and let that kind of begin to redefine me. So obviously my professional career was one thing. I think another thing that's developed out of that, you know, my love for uh, martial arts, I actually grew up boxing, but now I've been able to re-engage with, you know, different forms of martial arts that I, you know, I, I, I didn't get into prior because I was playing football and um, just other areas of my life that, you know, to this point had been more or less underserved because so much of my energy, time and attention was just going towards game day. Now, um, as you kind of are growing your practice here in Atlanta, are you focusing on a certain type of client? Do you have a niche that you're serving? Uh, or is it kind of anybody who has wealth or wants to have wealth is a good fit? Yeah, I mean, anybody that has money, we should definitely talk. But um, that's more specifically, uh, you know, our practice is primarily focused around working with people in tech or really anybody that receives equity-based compensation, right? So I know a lot of guys in big tech firms, they'll receive these things called RSUs or restricted stock units where a large portion of their income is tied to the equity of the company that they're working for. Or alternatively, a lot of guys in the startup space, you know, they'll get um, stock options for if they get bought out, if they go public and things like that, you know, that create these massive liquidity events that they got to figure out what to do with the money. So do a lot of work in tech and then local to Atlanta, just because, you know, how great this community is and has been to me. I've also had the opportunity to connect with a number of business owners out here. So, you know, doing a lot of work in their space and I have specialists on my team um, that, you know, have resources available for them for their various needs. So when you're working with somebody that's involved in a startup, they may not be making a lot of money today, but they could make a lot of money, a lot, lot of money, you know, if the thing, like you said, goes public or they get bought out or something along those lines. When you're managing their wealth, is there different strategies that are effective for that person as opposed to somebody that has more traditional corporate career and they're just grinding every, you know, month, every, you know, they're just throwing money into a 401k? Yeah, that's a a great question. I think one of the biggest nuance is the, the equity portion of their compensation is different than, you know, the guy just kind of working um, at the, you know, I wouldn't say regular nine to five, but in a more traditional role, right? They usually, I mean, if, if you're working at like Coca-Cola or something, you'll probably get some RSUs, but especially in the tech space, so much of 
comp is tied to equity. So that's probably one big nuance. And then secondly, from a, a pure planning perspective, especially before they've come into any level of wealth, you know, what, what clients and really anybody is trying to figure out is capital allocation or cash flow planning. Where, where do I put my money? Right. You know, I make this much, I expense this much, you know, with what I have left over, where do I funnel it to? If I max my 401k, you know, that's 20 grand a year, but most people can save more than that. So, you know, where, where else should I be putting dollars that's both tax efficient, but also, you know, strategic from an investment perspective? Yeah, it's one of those things when um, if you're if you have a bunch of options and you're betting on your company, it's that saying of, you know, um, you know, putting all your eggs in one basket, you better keep a good eye on that basket. um, But you better also have kind of a a plan B in case that basket, you know, doesn't work out because in the startup world, just because it looks like it's doing great today doesn't mean that, that, that it's, it's the one that's going to become a unicorn tomorrow. Could, could, couldn't agree more, Lee. Um, and I think that's, that's one of the biggest things that I impress upon, especially guys, I mean, really at any comp- tech company or startup or whatever, you know, you don't want too much of your net worth tied to something you don't directly control, right? Like if, if I'm working at Twitter and, you know, 60, 70% of my net worth is tied to Twitter stock, which can experience, you know, 10, 20 point moves based on what Elon Musk says. Um, that's probably not the best strategy for me. So, you know, having some level of diversification, especially around things that are more or less out of your control, like, you know, broader market dynamics just makes a ton of sense. Now, I would imagine in today's market, uh, you're getting a lot of calls because everybody, when the, when the market's going up, everybody's a genius every system every you know kind of plan they had seems like it's working when it's not going up then all of a sudden everybody's like hey why are we what what's happening here um how do you kind of help people manage through a chaotic uh economy like we're having now because i would think a lot of your role is almost as a therapist where you got to just keep people kind of calm and just say look historically this has always worked out so just hang in there yeah, I, I think, I mean, you hit it on the head. I think using using history as an analog is super helpful. Um, I think, you know, one of the biggest things that market participants run into is that they think that their view of the market is the market, right? So, you know, you have the, the young professional that they've been investing for a few years and they're five to seven years invested in their market. They feel like their experience is how the market should behave when candidly, that's not the case, right? And there's historical precedent that outlines market behavior and what it looks like, you know, when we have these economic conditions versus when we have more um, accommodating economic conditions. So one of the the biggest things I try to impress upon clients is that is all of these things have happened before, right? And there are analogs that we can point to. The biggest thing that we need to manage is your behavior through this environment because there's a proven strategy that, you know, if we're properly diversified, properly invested, you know, th- this could this could be a very fortuitous opportunity for you when you're ex- experiencing these types of dislocations in the market versus somebody that's just kind of throwing their, throwing their hands up and saying, hey, I'm going to sell everything and hopefully things get better. Yeah, and it also depends where they're at in their kind of um – 
you know, life, because, you know, when you're 20 or 30 or 40 and this is happening, you're like, wow, this is good news for me. I'm here for the long haul, so I'm getting everything on sale. But if you're 60 or 70 or 80, you're like, what is going on here? This is my life savings. My nest egg is kind of depleting here. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. That, And again, that just goes to strategy, just making sure you have a, a, a proper strategy in place. Yeah, and that's why I think it's super important to have a trusted advisor like yourself involved when it comes to finances because you need someone that has kind of some uh, context that it isn't as emotional and that you're not reacting kind of in a knee-jerk way because some voice of calm and reason during this time is what's needed. You don't want to make impulsive moves. That means you didn't have a plan. That means you're just reacting. And that's where, where a lot of people get hurt. Right. No, you're right. You're right. I could, I could not agree more. Could not agree more. I need to put you on payroll. (laughs) So what, what do you need more of? How can we help you? Um, as far as your audience or this platform? Yeah, for listeners right now, what could we mm-hmm. be doing to help you in your work? I know you do a lot of talks for startups. I know you're, are you looking for more speaking opportunities for startups? Are you looking for more opportunities to connect and serve the startup community? Do you need just more clients? Uh, what do you need? How can we help? I mean, I've, I've yet to meet the business that doesn't need more clients. Um, if you find it, show it to me. Um, they're probably doing, they've done something incredibly well, I guess, or maybe not. But yeah, definitely need more clients. Um, always looking for opportunities to get in front of more people and, you know, share my story, um, my background, some of the areas where I've been helpful. And then I, I think, um, <laughs> and this probably isn't the, be- the best way to say it, but, you know, let me, help me help you, right? Uh, if, if you if if you're listening to this show and you know you're a business owner or you're in tech or, or you know you, you have a, a, a large portion of your comp tied to equity and you're trying to figure out what to do with it, you know don't hesitate to reach out. Right? Obviously, we can find ways to get my information shared. But um, yeah, I'd say those are some of the biggest the biggest areas where um. Uh, there, there would be some synergistic cross currents between our worlds. What about talent? Are you looking to build out your team? Yeah, I am. So right now I'm actually in the process of hiring a uh, uh, marketing director, mainly focused around helping me secure engagements like the one I'm on right now. Um, so that that's, that is something that we're, we're looking for. So if, if you have somebody that, or if you are somebody that has experience with, you know, community engagement, branding, sponsorship, specifically able, specifically able to help, you know, myself and my team members get broader exposure on a more organic level, specifically in the Atlanta marketplace, specifically in the tech community. I think those would all be wins. Good stuff. And if somebody wants to connect with you and have a more substantive conversation, what's your website? Yeah, so it's uh, Rush Imhotep, uh, nm.com, I believe. Let me triple check. I got that. the uh, in front of me. I got Rush R U S H I M H O T E P dot n m dot com. Yep, that is it. That's the one. Good that stuff. One. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story today. You're doing important work, and we appreciate you. I appreciate you too, Lee. Thank you. 
All right, this is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Atlanta Business Radio.